Hello, welcome to Adapt, a podcast where we challenge ourselves to do new things on the iPad. This is episode number one. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federica Vitici. How are you today, Federico? Hey, Ryan. I'm great. Uh, it's, it's great to be finally doing this, the first episode of a new show. Yeah, it sure is. We've got a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, before, before we dive in, why don't you share a little bit about what this show is and uh, why we're doing this? Yeah, so <laughs> what exactly is ADAPT? Um, so long-time listeners of Relay may remember that I used to do a show called Canvas with Fraser Spears until last year, uh, all about the iPad and sort of iPad productivity. Um, ADAPT is a new show all about the iPad that I'm doing with Ryan. You may know Ryan uh, because he works with me at Mac Stories. Uh, he's one of our editors at MacStories.net. And Ryan, like me, is all about the iPad and all about working on the iPad Pro. Um, and we started thinking about the format for this show. Actually, Ryan had some of the basic underlying ideas uh, behind the format that I'm going to discuss shortly a few months ago. And we've been busy over the past four months, maybe more, uh, trying to, you know, re- recording multiple uh, tests and trying to understand what we wanted to achieve with this podcast. And most of all, choosing a name. And First of all, um, I want to talk about the name ADAPT and what it stands for. Um, We wanted to have a name that would sort of give the idea of what it feels like to switch from a traditional computing environment to working on the iPad and getting things done on iOS. And we felt like the name ADAPT and the excellent artwork by, um, you know, that you can see by Frank Towers or, you know, his real name is Simon, uh, the excellent Relay FM designer, uh, sort of communicates that idea of trying to um, adapt to a new way of working, a new way of getting work done on iOS, but also trying to be creative about it. And I think that's... um, that's what will make hopefully uh, this this show special um, because we're going to try and focus on two things, on two core concepts, at least based on my perspective. And I'm sure that Ryan has some thoughts on the matter. Uh, we want to demonstrate and we want to discuss how you can be creative and you can challenge yourself in getting more work done on iOS, getting new and more things done on iOS in a different way. But we also want to highlight apps and we want to provide useful content. We want to make sure that we can teach maybe our listeners something new. And we want to just sort of prove how it is possible to work in a different way on the iPad and get things done in a fresh and useful and different way than usual. Um, Mostly we just want to get out of our comfort zone a little bit and try and push the boundaries of um, what it's possible on the iPad and what we can do on the iPad. And we will be, uh, we will, as we'll talk about <laughs> in a few minutes, we will be the subjects of these tests that we're going to do on this podcast to try and push ourselves to do more and do something new and do something new in a different way. Um you may know me from other relay shows. I do connected. I do remaster. I used to do Canvas. Now I'm doing Adapt with Ryan. And um, of course, I, I've been working on the iPad for the past seven years. I've been writing about the iPad and the iPad Pro on my website MacStories.net. And uh, I used to be a Mac user. Uh, primarily, I'm still a Mac user, but 
the Mac used to be my primary computer, my main computer, until really seven years ago. And I've told this story in a bunch of places before. There will actually be links in the show notes to previous stories about the iPad that I published on Mac Stories. But I've always wanted to do more around the iPad in terms of doing podcasts. And uh, I think if you used to like Canvas uh, before, I think you will feel right at home here with Adapt, but also it'll be a different kind of show. Uh, But before we get into some of the, uh, I think really the main idea behind Adapt in terms of format, Ryan, why don't you introduce yourself and, and share a little more of your iPad history with our listeners? Yeah, sure thing. So like you mentioned, I work with you at Mac Stories. I've been writing for the website for uh, coming up on three years now. And what initially drew me to Mac Stories, uh, first as a reader and later as an editor, was your own use of the iPad, Federico, uh, as a primary computer. Uh, I have been an iPad user since the very first iPad launched, and I've always loved the device but I never really had the thought that it could be my main computer. For me, it was more of a a third device, Mm. kind of in the way that Steve Jobs originally presented it, where it it sits neatly in between the iPhone and the Mac, and it can handle certain tasks better than the iPhone, certain tasks better than the Mac, but it it was more meant to complement those existing devices. But then shortly before the first iPad Pro was announced back in 2015, Uh, I came across one of your other podcasts, Federico, uh, Connected, and you regularly talked on that show about your use of the iPad. And then, of course, Connected led me to Mac Stories and the various articles you'd written that were outlining your own iPad journey. And so many of the reasons why you love the iPad uh, really resonated with me personally. And so when the iPad Pro launched in November 2015, Uh, I bought one, and I sold my Mac, and I really haven't looked back since then. Hmm. So it's basically a sort of a halo effect, but for podcasts. Uh, Connected led you to Mac Stories, which led you to the iPad. So I guess, uh, you know, know, the the strategy worked, (laughs) talking about the iPad. Unconnected, eventually, you know, it's a a very, very fortunate series of events. So yeah, you're using the iPad Pro as your primary computer these days. And um, I mean, you own a Mac, uh, but you consider the iPad to be your main computer. Yeah, that's that's true currently. So for a long time, I didn't own a Mac, but recently I did buy a Mac Mini and uh, I, I use that for a few specific things, but the iPad is certainly still my my primary computer. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's perfect because it means it's two of us and uh, actually I'm recording this podcast on an iPad Pro. So uh, I'm not sure whether I will continue to record all episodes on the iPad Pro, but this is something that I've been working on. So it should be fun to explore in the future. Now, I wanted to talk about the sort of the main idea behind Adapt in terms of content and format. And that would be the idea of a challenge. This is an idea that you had personally and you proposed this idea to me and I loved it. And um, what we're going to try and do here on Adapt is to challenge ourselves to do something new or different or unexpected on the iPad. And by challenging ourselves, I mean there's actually going to be one of the segments of this podcast that you can expect on each episode is the challenge. Um, We will try and 
follow a loose format in the sense that maybe sometimes Ryan will challenge me as he's done for this very first episode. Other times I will challenge Ryan or maybe we will challenge each other. Maybe down the road in the future we will accept challenges from listeners. So we will be able to go uh, through a specific task or using a specific app. Uh, You know, all kinds of crazy ideas. And I guess the main concept, and maybe Ryan you can elaborate on this, would be to, again, Get out, of, get out of our comfort zone because I think it's easy to get sort of stuck on the iPad using the same apps and using the same routines and the same workflows and shortcuts, but actually try and discover apps or ways of getting things done that we wouldn't normally discover uh, because I think it's easy to get stuck, you know, especially because we write for Mac stories and we, each of us, we have, you know, our own habits and our own, you know, the, the apps that we prefer and the things that we like to get done in a certain way. So the idea would be to be cruel on each other whenever possible because it makes for a fun show, but actually always keep in mind that we want to discover how to get something new and unique, uh, or maybe even something, you know, a plain and boring old task, but done in a different way. Get it done in a different way on the iPad. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the things that sparked this idea for me several months ago is that we have had a recurring segment in the past in our Club Mac Stories newsletter called iPads Around the World, where we heard from uh, Mac Stories readers who use the iPad in all kinds of different professions. And reading their stories helped me realize just how much the iPad can be used for that I don't normally think about. And in our everyday work for Mac Stories and other things, we have certain tasks that we perform, and there are a lot of tasks that we could do on the iPad that aren't required by our work. And so this show, in a way, is kind of an excuse to branch out and see what other possibilities the iPad enables that we just haven't had the time uh, or the awareness to expose ourselves to in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, basically I want you to become a doctor and tell me how you you can, or become an engineer and use the iPad for your job. No, really, but I guess the, the idea would be um, that it's going to be fun to come up with ideas for things that you normally wouldn't associate with what we do on the iPad. So that that's going to be part of the job, like um, trying to do something that I wouldn't normally do myself, but also try and maybe rediscover a feature of iOS, uh, and the feature of the iPad that we're doing with this first challenge today, and try and see how you can, well, adapt it to the way that, you know, you're, you're working on the iPad. So again, I want to sort of reiterate again, you can always expect at least one challenge or maybe more. And sometimes I will do the challenge, other times Ryan will do it, maybe we'll both do it in other episodes. Uh, and there will be listener participation, but we have lots of big plans, lots of ideas for these challenges. And I already know that Ryan has some really, really terrible and cruel plans for me in the future. But I think it was, uh, it was not too cruel for this first one. So Ryan, why don't you describe the first challenge? All right. The first challenge is I wanted you to use a third-party software keyboard to get something done for work. Mm. (laughs) Now, uh, iOS has, for several years, uh, supported 
third-party keyboard extensions. Uh, I think iOS 8 is when those first came to iOS. Uh, and for those who are unfamiliar with these custom keyboard extensions, uh, you can download them from the App Store just like any other app. Uh, sometimes they're bundled into an existing app. Sometimes they are standalone apps themselves. And then in iOS' settings app, you simply install as many of these custom keyboards as you'd like. Uh, once you have them installed, you can cycle through them on the iPad and the iPhone uh, by hitting the globe icon that's in the lower left corner of the keyboard. Uh, and there are lots of custom keyboards that kind of focus on sharing media, for example, uh, maybe sharing GIFs. Oh, you say GIFs? Really? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we'll have to change that. We will have to change that. Freedom of speech. Here we go. So uh, lots of these keyboards are, exist to share media, but they aren't meant to replace uh, a standard system keyboard. Uh, but there are some keyboards that do let you do that. Uh, for example, Google's Gboard is a very popular third-party keyboard that uh, some users prefer to use in place of Apple's keyboard. And iOS actually lets you do that, surprisingly. You can remove the system keyboard and just have, let's say, Google's Gboard installed. So, Federico, with all the variety of custom keyboards that were out there, uh, your challenge was to use at least one of these keyboards to get things done for work. Uh, how did that go? All right, so this was a fun challenge, uh, I have to say, because it, the final result, the end result, it helped me discover the benefits of some of the custom keyboards that I found on the App Store, and I actually added a couple of them uh, sort of to my daily rotation, to my daily workflow. So that the it was a fun and informative and useful challenge. Um, when you first asked me to do this... Um, I started thinking about all the different things that I could do with a custom keyboard on the iPad. And I should mention how custom keyboards um, sometimes are associated with the with iMessage apps, but those are two different things. Uh, even though sometimes they look similar, maybe an app has a, both a custom keyboard extension and an iMessage extension, and maybe they share the same UI, they're actually the same, they look the same, and they have the same functionality. Those are actually two separate things. Um, the iMessage apps app is something that you can only use in the in messages for iMessage conversation. The custom keyboard you can use everywhere on iOS, uh, as you mentioned, by holding the globe icon and switching between keyboards. Um, so, in thinking about what can I do with the custom keyboard on the iPad, um, I started from two basic ideas. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to use. Um, a software keyboard like Gboard that would act as a replacement for the main Apple keyboard just because I knew that I was just going to hate myself uh, in using a third-party keyboard because I, I just like the Apple keyboard so much. And it's got support, excellent support for multiple languages um, because I'm a, you know, I use the multilingual support on iOS to type in English and in Italian. And it's got the dictation built in and it's it it you know the animations are polished and there's always that something I cannot quite describe it but there's always something with Gboard or other um, alternative QWERTY keyboards that always sort of sticks out to me and I don't like it. Um, also, another category of custom keyboards for iPad is the handwriting keyboards and. 
my handwriting is terrible. Like it's seriously, it's it's awful. And I just could not imagine myself communicating with other people using my terrible handwriting. But these keyboards actually exist that they let you use the Apple Pencil to handwrite and they they transform your handwriting into text that you can share uh, from the Capstone keyboard. But uh, that, you know, I thought about it and I looked at um, some of my handwriting in Apple Notes and GoodNotes and I was like, no, this is just, this is terrible. It's never going to work. So I sort of identified... Um, a subcategory uh, or maybe like a more general concept of what can I do with a custom keyboard and that was the idea of sharing and by sharing I mean sending little bits of text or links or images or documents from a custom keyboard so sort of the idea of using a custom keyboard as a clipboard manager or as a shelf app but as a basically as a way to store little individual pieces of content that I can share inside every app that I want to use without having to fetch those files, let's call them files, from a document picker or by sharing them with the share sheet. Um, I have a use case for this, which is actually pretty common, I think. Um, I have a collection of text snippets and links and images, basically screenshots, that I have to share on a regular basis with Club Mac Stories members. You know, whether it's like instructions on how to manage their subscriptions or where they can find the archive of our newsletters. But I have this collection of canned responses, if you will, that I need to send on a regular basis. And so my idea was, I want to find a custom keyboard that lets me share this messages or these images that I send on a regular basis and they're always the same and maybe I can find a way to speed up the process using a custom keyboard. So the first place where I looked was Yoink and Yoink is the is my favorite clipboard manager and shelf app on iOS these days. It's um, Yoink is a place where you can drop all kinds of content whether it's text or links or images or video or PDF documents and it's a basically like a temporary holding spot for those items that you can later drag out of Yoink into anything else, or you can share with the share sheet. There's even a file provider extension, so you can access your Yoink items from the Files app. Um, and Yoink, of course, also comes with the custom keyboard. Um, so my idea was, well, I'm already using Yoink to manage all of these bits of content, so I might as well give the custom keyboard a try because I never actually seriously considered it before the challenge. Um, so in Yoink, you can add images, you can add links with drag and drop. It's really an excellent app. You you reviewed Ryan the, this app on Mac Stories, I think last year, two years ago, uh, as part of our roundup of shelf apps for iOS 11. It's truly it is truly excellent. Um, so what I did is I assembled a collection of snippets in Yoink. Uh, initially, I kind of had a hard, hard time um, managing these text files in Yoink because I couldn't figure out how to edit them inside of Yoink. But it turns out that is an edit, a modify feature that lets you import some text either from the clipboard or via drag and drop and modify the text inside of Yoink. Um, then I assembled a collection of screenshots. Uh, and this is great because in Yoink, you can create folders for 
similar items, uh, the app calls them stacks. And a stack is created automatically when you drag and drop something into the app. So before I started using the custom keyboard, I assembled all of these different folders for related items. Um, and I, I imported some text from previous messages that I had sent to club members using Spark. And I imported some links from Safari and I imported some pictures from photos. So um, I organized them all in Yoink, and I started using the custom keyboard. So once you set up the stacks and organize everything the way that you want to, can you actually see that whole file structure from the custom keyboard of Yoink, or do you have to be in the main app? Um, so you can actually see all of your all of your items in the custom keyboard, which is really, it's really what makes it impressive, in that when you switch the Yoink custom keyboard, um, it doesn't look like a keyboard, actually. It looks like it's a totally custom UI. You have thumbnails for pictures or text or links, and it shows you like image previews, for example. And it's a scrollable list of items uh, that allows you to preview rich text or images or anything else inside the custom keyboard. And it's really impressive because it's a completely custom interface. It doesn't have a QWERTY keyboard, but it's like a file manager, but inside of a keyboard. It's, it's really impressive. And what I love about this is that not only can you preview your items from the custom keyboard, um, but also you can select them from the keyboard. Like you can select multiple items and just by tapping on the on the thumbnails, and you create a selection. And then what you can do, you can tap and hold the items from the custom keyboard, and to start dragging them and drop them into a text field or the body of an email message, for example. And you can do it all from a keyboard. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable because most people tend to, I think, um, even me, maybe before these experiments, I I used to associate custom keyboard with like Gboard, like an alternative layout for typing. But the Yoink keyboard is effectively a file manager inside of a keyboard area with a completely custom UI, and it supports drag and drop, which is just mind-blowing, honestly. Yeah, that makes me wish that Apple's own Files app had you know, a keyboard extension for the document browser so I could access all my files that way. That would be great. Yeah, and you have even multiple interaction options. Like, uh, you can double tap on an item to copy the item to the system clipboard, or as I mentioned, you can just uh, start dragging it out with a long press and just drop it into a text field or, you know, in, in Apple Notes, for example, or stuff like that. Um, uh, have you ever tried, Ryan, to work with custom keyboards while you're using the iPad with an external physical keyboard? I have tried and it's left me frustrated, which is why I don't ever use custom keyboards myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I, I've done some research around this as well. Um, and it turns out that there is a great way to work with custom keyboards and an external keyboard on the iPad, as long as it's not the smart keyboard folio. So... Third-party keyboards, like physical keyboards, like the Bridge keyboard, which I've been testing for the past month, and the new Logitech Slim Folio Pro, they have an, uh, an additional keyboard row, right? They have function keys that the Smart Keyboard Folio 
from Apple doesn't have. And besides the usual extra keys like media playback or screen brightness and stuff like that, they also have a key to show and hide the virtual keyboard on the iPad. Uh, it lets you eject, for lack of, lack of a better word, the, um, the software keyboard while the Bluetooth keyboard is still connected and paired with the iPad. And you may ask, why would you ever want to do this? Well, it turns out that there's also a system-wide shortcut, a keyboard shortcut, which is control space to cycle through installed keyboards, installed software keyboards on your iPad. So if you have one of these keyboards, what you can do is you can show the virtual keyboard and then start hitting control space to cycle through all of your keyboards and in my case, for example, select the Yoink keyboard and bring it up on screen without, ha without ever having to reach out to the iPad, manually tap around the screen to select a custom keyboard. You can do it all from an external keyboard. Um, it's really, it, discovering this feature alone, this shortcut, uh, control space and shift control space, which cycles in reverse through your installed keyboards, it's made working with custom keyboards so much better because I always have an external keyboard always connected to the iPad, but now I also have shortcuts to select and switch between custom keyboards. It's really, really useful. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so I've been using, you know, um, I've been using the Yoink keyboard to share uh, images and links and canned responses with... Um, Cloud Mac Stories members primarily, some developers that send that send me um, their uh, you know ideas for apps, uh, you know, or like invitations for betas, things they've been working on. Uh, also, my friends don't know this, but I've been sharing uh, canned responses with them as well using the Yoink keyboard. I didn't share these responses with you, Ryan. So uh, I was about to ask, yeah, be, which one of your friends? Okay. Well, let's just say that the founders of this very network may have gotten oh, no. a kind of response from, <laughs> from me using the Yoink keyboard. Well, it's, 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 it was something like, okay, I'll check it out later. You know, something <laughs> like that. It was... So I just didn't type it yeah, myself. Not very personal. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, uh, it was part of the challenge. It's part of the job. Um, anyway, in addition to Yoink, I also want to... So, spoiler alert, Yoink is my favorite solution here. But I also tested a bunch of other uh, alternatives on the iPad. So, in addition to Yoink, I also tested Copied and Clip Plus. Um, the latter, uh, Clip Plus, is a bare-bones clipboard manager. Um it's it syncs with iCloud and the idea is it lets you import little snippets of text that you can store with your iCloud account and there's a custom keyboard that allows you to paste uh, those snippets of text into other apps on your iPad. My main problem with Clip Plus is that it does not let you capture new um, items easily. Uh, you cannot capture new text uh, copied to the clipboard from the custom keyboard itself. Um, it's it's kind of bare bones. It's functional, but it, there's nothing super special about it. And I feel like, uh, you know, maybe it works for people who just want to send text uh, from a custom keyboard, you know, with, the, with those canned responses. But I feel like for me, I just preferred the 
more visual and richer approach of uh, Yoink. And as for Copied, um, Copied can be considered the former king of clipboard managers uh, on, on iOS. It is extremely feature-rich. It, it supports merging of multiple items. It syncs with iCloud. Uh, it supports custom JavaScript commands to format your text. It supports images and links. It's got a template feature if you want to share your items by applying a custom template. But there's uh, two problems here. When I tried to capture the contents of the clipboard in copied, it cut off paragraphs. So it, it only successfully imported the first paragraph of text and it removed, uh, I guess accidentally, it must be a bug, it removed all other paragraphs beyond the first line break, which was not great. And also it hasn't been updated on iOS in over a year. So... Uh, does not exactly inspire a lot of confidence. Uh, so that's why I, I would say that the, the, the is there a winner for this challenge? I don't know, but my favorite app for completing the challenge and really a super welcome discovery in addition to my workflow has been the Yoink custom keyboard. Extremely recommended. Um, now, this kind of feels like cheating, Ryan, but I also want to mention a custom keyboard for a beta app that has not come up come out yet is that allowed uh yeah sure thing you will allow it okay thank you just this one time just (laughs) just this one okay so uh pythonista it's a python programming app for ios the developer ole zorn is working on a major update that has not come out yet he's been teasing this new version on twitter for a while um and the, the next Pythonista update, I guess it'll be version 3 point something, maybe, I don't know. Uh, it will come with a custom keyboard that lets you run Python scripts from anywhere on iOS. So anywhere you can show a custom keyboard, you can run a Python script. But in addition to that, not only can you run any Python code that you want, you can also access the text selection that the keyboard is currently seeing and use that text as input for the Python script. So let's say, for example, that, you are, that you're, you've selected the link to the current web page in Safari. And so the keyboard's cursor has selected the URL of the web page in the Safari address bar. If you have the Pythonista keyboard, you can run a script that takes that link, takes that selection, and does something with it. And I've come up with a Python script that um, basically uh, scrapes the contents of a Mac Stories article to find links to individual sections, like the uh, the you know the the headers that we use in the body of a story to indicate multiple different sections of a story. I have a Python script that scans through the contents of that web page and presents me with a list of sections to choose from. And all of this is done by accessing the text selection of the custom keyboard, taking that link, scraping the MacStories website, and giving me back uh, you know, links to multiple sections inside of an article. It is incredible. It's amazing. I have no idea if Apple will ever approve of this keyboard, but it's, uh, you know, it's something that I've been using for the challenge. So it is worth mentioning as something that may potentially also come out in the future or not, but it's really incredible. Yeah, that sounds like it has a ton of potential. And I, you know, personally, 
in my writing every day, I often will select text in a piece that I'm working on and then do something with that text via either the share sheet, maybe uh, activating the shortcuts action extension to run a shortcut, or uh, something that I do all the time is you select the text and then from the contextual menu that pops up, activating lookup and seeing through the lookup screen, you know, a definition of the word, um, seeing synonyms through the thesaurus. And so the ability to script different actions for ways to use that text just sounds extremely powerful, especially for someone who writes for a living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's really impressive what you can do within the context of the keyboard using Python scripts. But again, I have no idea when or if uh, it will come out. Uh, also, special mention for Giphy, uh, or, do, I mean, do you say Jiffy? I do, uh, Jiffy, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Giphy or Jiffy, it's the popular GIF discovery and sharing service. Um, they have a custom keyboard for iOS, uh, which, I mean, in the, the challenge description, you said for work, so I'm not sure if replying to people on Twitter with GIFs or GIFs constitutes work by your own rules, but... uh, Yeah, that's a tough one. Hmm. Well, I just, again, I just wanted to mention it because it exists. You can use the custom keyboard to browse GIFs and copy them to the clipboard and then paste them manually into a rich text field, such as Twitter, for example. Uh, So maybe it's not work, but it's something that I've used and I wanted to mention it because it's it's out there on the App Store. Now, uh, are you satisfied with my approach to this challenge, first of all? Yeah, I think that Yoink sounds like really a great solution, and I'm actually eager to try it out myself. So I'm glad that you were kind of the guinea pig with that. Okay, okay, so that's good. Uh, there's a few things that I've learned sort of uh, to recap this challenge. Um, custom keyboards are a lot better than they used to be when they first launched in iOS 8. They used to be unusable, like they were constantly running out of memory. They did not support things like drag and drop, and switching between keyboards was super limited because developers could not implement the same globe key that Apple uses as a switcher menu. Now things like Yoink with the you know consistent switching UI, support for drag and drop and rich previews, it doesn't run out of memory. It's so much better than in the past. Um, the category of clipboard managers, it suffers badly from the limited uh, integrations that iOS allows compared to macOS. On the Mac, you can have a clipboard manager that constantly runs in the background and monitors the contents of the system clipboard. On iOS, that's not possible because we don't have any proper background service APIs yet, maybe in iOS 13, I don't know. Um, so whenever you want to save something, to the clipboard manager, usually you have to actually open the clipboard manager, manually save that content, and then you can access it from other apps, which is a you know it's a very it's a much slower and very different behavior than macOS. Um, as I mentioned, I find custom keyboards quite pleasant to use with external keyboards on the iPad, which is really my my the most surprising takeaway from this whole experience was just how much I like switching between custom keyboards now because I'm using the Bridge keyboard as my primary uh, iPad keyboard, iPad Pro keyboard, and switching between them with a virtual keyboard button and cycling between them using control space 
it's so much better than just touching the screen and switching between them via touch. So there you go. All right. So I have one last question for you before we close out the challenge, which is if you could dream up a custom keyboard that is specifically for the purposes of your work, what would it be? Hmm. So I I thought about this and um, this may not surprise anybody. Um, I really would like to see a shortcuts keyboard that would allow me to to run automations <laughs> with my shortcuts from everywhere on iOS and on the iPad. Like I could imagine having shortcuts that access the text selection in Ulysses or IA Writer, for example, or then maybe maybe shortcuts that do something in the background and insert text into a text field without having to use the clipboard in the middle or without having to use the share sheet, that would be really incredible to have a visual uh, system-wide automation available inside the custom keyboard. So if Apple is listening, please please make a shortcuts keyboard and uh, you can credit Adapt as the source uh, for this idea, I'm sure. You're welcome. Yeah, and since we are only a few weeks away from WWDC, I'm sure they can throw that together real quick. Oh, me, I mean, there's... They totally have the time. You know, they, they, this is like it's like when 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 people uh, when people tell me like um, like it's it's by the end of May, and if whenever I tweet something like oh I hope that you know the next version of iOS will have this feature, and and people are like CC on Twitter Phil Schiller and like take a look at this idea and try to put it in the next version of iOS. It's like, yes, they're totally going to do that. Of course. All right. Well, that has been this week's challenge. Uh, Next in our show, we're going to move on to a topic. And for today's topic, I thought that we could take uh, this opportunity shortly before WWDC and potentially some iPad changes that we're hoping to see in iOS 13 and evaluate where the iPad's multitasking system stands today. So I know that uh, multitasking is something that hasn't been on the iPad for all that long. Um, iOS 9 is kind of what introduced it and uh, it was changed up a bit in iOS 11. Um, But the system that we have in place today, we've had for almost two years now since iOS 11. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just the different aspects of multitasking on the iPad? Sure. Um, There's uh, three main concepts that you need to be familiar with. Uh, Split view, which would be using two apps at the same time. Slide over which is uh, the, uh, having a, an, an app as a floating panel on top of everything else, including a split view, and picture-in-picture, which is a floating video player for videos that you can, so you can continue, that you can use to continue watching a video, uh, even though you're not in the main video player app. Um, these three features, they were introduced with iOS 9 in 2015. They used to be kind of different in the sense of how you can initiate multitasking. Back in the days of iOS 9, there used to be an old and, and different uh, interface for selecting which apps to put in the split view. Um, it used to be a sidebar on the right uh, that allowed you to, to pick apps and add them to multitasking. But now, it, uh, without, since iOS 11 and still in iOS 12, 
and the rumor is that it's going to change in iOS 13, so we'll see. But in, in iOS 11 and 12, you, the system is much more reliant on drag and drop and how you can pick up apps from the dock, which is, was also new in iOS 11, from the home screen or from search results, and you can pick up their icons and drop them anywhere to create a split view or to create a slide over app. Um, iOS 11 also introduced the concept of the app spaces so the idea that in the multitasking app switcher the one that you get by uh, swiping and pausing from the home indicator uh, you can see multiple pairs of apps uh, that was not possible before that was new in ios 11 and i think it was also ios 11 that made it possible for slide over to uh, for the slide over app to um, to be shared system-wide so the, there can be multiple split views in iOS 12, but there can only there can only be one app in SlideOver, and that SlideOver app is accessible from from everywhere, just by swiping from the right edge of the of the iPad screen. Uh, and it's also possible now on the since the 2017 iPad Pros, I think, to use two apps in split view and one app in SlideOver at the same time. So sort of like three active apps simultaneously, which is pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, this would be the basic um, underlying structure of multitasking on iOS 12. Yeah, it's certainly a much different world than just a few years ago when the iPad was limited to one app on screen at a time. Like you said, you can now do two in a split view, put a third on SlideOver, have a fourth in picture in picture, and uh, it gets, gets a little crazy. Um, so we don't want to just talk about what the various multitasking elements are. We want to talk about how we use them in our everyday lives. So split view, for example. Uh, Federico, how often do you use split view on an average day? And are there certain tasks where you prefer to use split view, whereas with other tasks you prefer to keep one app on screen? Mm. I would say that I use a um, healthy mix of both. Um, I, I use Split View constantly, and I used to be one of those people before iOS 9, uh, I was highly skeptical of the idea of transforming the iPad into a computer capable of showing you multiple apps at a time because I was really in love with the idea of the iPad sort of becoming the app that you were using. And to an extent, I still use the iPad in that way. And in fact, I think that one of the greatest aspects of iOS multitasking is that it doesn't force you to use Split View. It's always optional. You can always choose. And so... When I'm writing, for example, and I want to focus on writing, I use my text editor in full screen and I don't want to see anything else. I enable do not disturb. I type in full screen. I see no UI, just the blank page and my words. And uh, that was exactly how the iPad got, got started in 2010. And it's still how I'm using it today when I want to concentrate and focus. And of course, when I'm reading a book, for example, I don't use split view or when I'm playing a game, I mean, obviously. Also, when I'm doing email, like when I intentionally sit down and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to respond to 30 different email messages, which never happens in practice, but I like to think that it may. Um, I don't use split view. I just open Spark and I sit down. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to do email. Uh, at least that, that would be my intention. Um, other times I use split view all the time in all kinds of different ways. Like when I'm editing a story, 
I put my text editor, IA Writer, in split view next to Safari. And as I go through a story, I copy links from Safari and I paste them into the text editor as Markdown. Or maybe you, Ryan, send, have sent me a list of suggested edits and corrections for typos. And so I put Slack, which is where your suggestions live, next to my text editor. And I go through them all and I implement them in my, in my story. Or maybe... Um, something that I do uh, RSS next to Safari so I can go through my subscriptions and the articles that I find interesting uh, I can open them in the browser uh, just because I prefer to have multiple tabs for multiple things I want to check out so I would say that I that I I use a mix of both. I still use apps in full screen like I was forced to years ago, but now I do it I do so intentionally because I I want to make sure that I can concentrate. And then I also use split view and slide over and like multiple app windows when I need to when I just when I need to get a lot of things done uh, at once and I need to, you know, jump between multiple apps. So yeah, it's a, it's a mix of both. Yeah, it sounds very similar to the way that I use split view and the times that I don't use split view in that when I'm working on an article that requires a lot of concentration, I will have that on screen by itself so that that's the only thing I see. Uh, sometimes I even uh, go into dark mode just to give me an extra level of focus, whereas most of the time I write in light mode. But uh, other times, like if I am putting together uh, photos for an article, uh, working with screenshots, um, uploading those to our CDN and getting those links and putting them to my story. I might have my writing app, uh, Ulysses, right next to uh, photos or next to shortcuts. And uh, if I'm writing, let's say, a link post, I'll usually have Ulysses right next to Safari so that I can have the article that I'm writing about right on screen. Um, but for focus things, I definitely prefer to, to keep it in full screen. All right. So... Like you mentioned earlier, app spaces are kind of a new-ish element of split view that were introduced back in iOS 11, where you can have set pairs of apps that stay together uh, until they are broken. So when I first tried app spaces in the iOS 11 betas, uh, I didn't think they were quite for me. I tend to, yes, use lots of apps in split view, but it's not usually the same two apps. Uh, or maybe, like in the example I just gave, I'll have Ulysses in split view regularly, but sometimes it's with Safari and sometimes it's with Photos. And so I've discovered that over the course of the last two years with iOS 11, I still don't use app spaces all that much. Uh, in fact, the only apps I can think of that I regularly keep next to each other are Working Copy and Pretext. Uh, Working Copy is a Git client that we use at Mac Stories to access each other's draft markdown articles. And so I'll typically have Working Copy as the smaller app in a split view, uh, and then Pretext next to it as the larger app, because I use Working Copy to pull in changes to articles that, let's say, you or John have uploaded. Mm -hmm. And I'll use Pretext to go through those articles and make any edits that I see need to be made and so those two apps stay together all the time. Uh, I very rarely will use any other app next to Pretext or next to Working Copy. And so for me, uh, with those two apps, I only keep one of them in my dock. Uh, I have Working Copy in my dock, 
And pretext is on my home screen, but I didn't put it in my doc purposely because I never need to tap it to open it because whenever I tap the working copy icon, pretext opens. And so I love the idea of two apps being paired together, but just the fact that those two apps have to stay with each other and you can't swap out one of them without breaking the app pair mm-hmm. uh, kind of makes it far less useful for me. Um, so, so what about you? Do you have any fixed spaces that you use regularly? Mm, I, I think this is um, sort of an acquired taste for me because until a few weeks ago, I would have told you I never use fixed spaces. Um, just because I... Uh, and we're going to talk about it later, I really think there should be a way for users to create favorite workspaces, sort of like templates. But um, in working on a major (laughs) story about the iPad that um, ideally I'm going to publish next week, so uh, I'm in the final stages of editing this story. Um, But in in producing this story, I kind of stumbled across... um, two, maybe three ways of using spaces um, in, a, in a fixed fashion, maybe. So I, I find myself sort of reevaluating how I worked on a story that, that had the same scope of an iOS review. Um, and, I, and I found myself having IA Writer on the left side of the screen and MindNode, my mind mapping app, on the right side all the time. I would say that basically 80% of this story, and we're talking about like a 50,000 word story, was written with IA Writer on the left and MightNode on the right. And that space persisted across device restarts. It was always there. It was always in the app switcher. And whenever I tapped either the IA Writer icon or the MindNode one in my dock, it always resumed that space. So that was very interesting how I, initially I just put those apps in split view and then I just left them there because it was it was just useful to be able to write and reference the mind map at, at the same time. Um, when, I, when I switched to editing the story, um, and this is pretty normal, I guess, I mentioned it before, but IA Writer and Safari, um, especially during the you know the, the heavy editing stage, I I sort of considered a fixed space because I never removed Safari or IA Writer from that workspace. Um, and finally, something that I'm doing lately, uh, I've been doing this for the past couple of months, is messages and Twitter always together. And I do this because I'm trying to use Twitter less, but when I do. I usually like to comment to you know to to share little comments or thoughts about things that I discover on Twitter with my friends on iMessage or maybe my friends share links to tweets in our conversations and so it just makes sense to have those two paired together so I can catch up with friends and catch up on my timeline at the same time and when I tap on a link to a tweet it opens instantly to the other side of the screen because on iOS uh, twitter.com links go directly to the Twitter app thanks to universal links so that I would consider another fixed space that I use all right so before we close out this topic uh, are there ways that you think that Apple could improve the current multitasking system, uh, make it better, make it more useful than it is today. 
yeah, there's a few um, there's a few ideas that I have, and I'm, again, I'm gonna share more in depth um, in the in the story that I'm working on for Mac Stories. But essentially, I mentioned I would like to see the ability to create fixed, actually fixed pairs of apps, like templates for workspaces and ways to recreate them and relaunch them more easily than actually pairing apps manually in a split view with drag and drop. Uh, I would like to see basically favorite spaces, you could call them, or templates, I don't know, but ways to instantly recreate a space. Something like IA Writer or MindNode or Safari and Twitter, stuff like that. Um, Keyboard control. This is a feature that I keep mentioning all the time. Multitasking on iOS at the moment is basically unaccessible from third-party keyboards, like uh, from third-party external, from external keyboards in general, like you cannot enable slide over or split view using the keyboard, you cannot put an app icon in, in split view or slide over using the arrow keys, for example, if you just search for an app, you, you need to reach out to the screen and manually drop it into a split view. And I would like to be able to control multitasking and navigate multitasking from an external keyboard alone without having to touch the screen. I would also mention, um, I would love to see three apps in split view instead of two, sort of like a, sort of like a tweet deck for apps with multiple columns all up on screen at the same time. And I feel like the big screen of the iPad Pro, especially the 12.9 inch, could make it possible. Um, and I also think if Apple is in the process of maybe rethinking multitasking for iOS 13, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I feel like it's it, it may, it's kind of hard to describe, even to an advanced user, the different, the, the, the little fine differences between the same gesture to enable split view and to enable drag and drop and to enable slide over via drag and drop, sorry. Like how you need to drop an app icon precisely on top of the divider of split view if you want to create a slide over. I think that that could be a little easier. Yeah, it's definitely not very intuitive. There's a bit of a learning curve there. Uh, I have a couple things as well that I would like to see changed. Uh, You mentioned having three apps in split view at once. Up until recently, I probably would have thought that that's not a great idea and the screen would be too cramped. Yep, same. But I saw this great concept uh, on Twitter by Daniel Korpai where he shows three apps on screen in split view, but also the ability to add even more apps to that split view where when you add another app on top of the three, it kind of bumps one of the apps off to the side and you can just scroll through like their different columns and I, ever since I saw that, I just, I, I'm in love with the idea. I would love to have the ability to have virtually unlimited number of apps in a row that I can swipe through back and forth. And not that I would use that all the time, but certainly on, uh, let's say, WWDC day, mm-hmm. where there's a lot going on. Uh, I've got a bunch of different apps open. Uh, it'd be so convenient to be able to just swipe back and forth to navigate between those apps rather than having to constantly, you know, break different split views by putting new apps in them at once. Um, uh, the other thing that I would like to see improved is uh, better options for adding non-dock apps to a split view. Uh, so right now, if you don't have a keyboard connected, a uh, physical keyboard, then 
you're kind of out of luck for apps that aren't in your dock. Ah, uh, that's true. Because uh, in order to add them to a split view, you have to, let's say, go to your home screen, find that app, and then open it. And then hopefully the second app that you want in that split view is in your dock because then you swipe open your dock and pull the app from there. But if, let's say, you wanted to put two apps that aren't in your dock next to each other in split view, um, I don't know how to do that without a hardware keyboard connected. Uh, with a hardware keyboard, you can use command space and use search, and it's really easy from there. But just with a software keyboard, I don't know that it's possible. Yeah, the, this is an excellent point in that you, the, the spotlight used to be called spotlight, but search on the iPad, it cannot be invoked without a, an external keyboard, which is kind of nonsense. And there should really be, I don't know how, but there should, I, you know, I kind of miss the old iOS 9 app picker in the sense that at least it was a way to add, well, there was no dock, but the idea of having another app picker inside of split view. I feel like maybe there's, even with the new iOS 11 system, maybe there's still a way for that feature to make sense. So I guess we'll see, I guess we'll see what happens with iOS 13. But, uh, you know, if the rumors are correct, we should be, we should be in for quite a few changes in terms of multitasking. Yeah, I'm excited to see what, uh, what Apple has in store for us. Now, before we wrap up the show, Ryan, there's another segment that I would like to introduce. Of course, we're not going to do this segment today because it is the first episode. And this segment is going to be a Q&A one called Ask Adapt. And this is a really a common format on other Relay, Relay FM shows. We're going to follow in the footsteps of our predecessors and have a Q&A section where people will be able to submit their questions. And to do that, you will use a hashtag on Twitter, AskAdapt. Uh, we will see that question. We will consider that question. And maybe we will answer that question in the next episode of Adapt. So if you want to ask us anything about the iPad or accessories that we're using, hardware that we're using, uh, favorite apps, workflows, shortcuts, whatever. Uh, Want to ask us questions? Uh, use hashtag AskAdapt on Twitter and we will see that and we will consider your question for a future episode. Yes, so look forward to seeing your questions and we will start answering them in that next episode. Before we say goodbye for today, though, we do need to assign the next challenge. And we are actually going to do two challenges in our next episode. Uh, Federico, you have a challenge for me, I believe, and I have another one for you. Uh, so what do you have in store for me? Is it, is it going to be something difficult? It's, I don't think it's difficult, but I, I think I, I, I'm keen to see what kind of apps you end up using. Um, my challenge for you is the following. I want you to use HomeKit so home automation accessories from your iPad as much as possible using not the Apple Home app, but third-party HomeKit clients. This includes, if you want, the HomeKit action in shortcuts. So as long as it's not the default pre-installed Home app, you're free to use whatever you want. So use HomeKit on your iPad using third-party apps, or if you want to use automation, that's also fine. What do you think? Oh, that, that actually sounds fun. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what all is out there in terms of other, other HomeKit apps and 
and diving in a little more into HomeKit actions and shortcuts. So yeah, that, that's exciting. All right. Uh, so my challenge for you is that I want you to write and publish an article using Apple Notes. Why do you hate me, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done to you? This is the first episode and you want me to publish from Apple Notes, which... Well, okay, so I, I should clarify that. There's not, there's not a... I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I don't want to give you too many ideas, but there are ways to publish from mm. Apple Notes, no, no. such as through Shortcuts. Um, it's a little app. Maybe you've heard of it. It's the writing in Apple Notes that concerns me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll figure it out. Okay. It's, it's, I don't think it's going to be as fun as your challenge, but it's going to be fun in a cruel way, and that's fine. That's fine. So write and publish from Apple Notes, correct? Exactly. I will, uh, I will get it done and I will document my efforts for the next episode of Adapt, which brings me to the conclusion and more details on our schedule. We've announced this show today on Wednesday, but this will not be our regular publishing schedule. Adapt will come out every two weeks, so for now, we're starting by releasing new episodes every two weeks, which gives us the time to research a topic, research a challenge, and truly put together, uh, hopefully, a well-done and well-researched show. Um, Adapt will come out every two weeks on Thursdays. So uh, every two weeks on Thursday, you can expect a new episode of Adapt in your podcast inbox of choice. Of course, as any other Relay show, you can find Adapt in a bunch of places. You can go to relayfm slash adapt slash one for this episode to find the show notes. But on Apple Podcasts, you can use Overcast, you can use Castro, whatever you want to use. It's fine. It's going to work every two weeks on Thursdays. And once again, uh, before Ryan wraps it up, I just want to mention how Happy I am that I'm doing an iPad show on Relay FM again. Um, we've been working on this format for so many months and we've tried to think of all the different ways that we can make this fun and engaging. Um, I absolutely cannot wait to to get this show you know, started and do more challenges with Ryan. Ryan has been an incredible help in coming up with ideas and sort of nailing down the format. And of course, Mike and Steven have provided some excellent feedback. I'm super excited to do this. I'm super happy that we announced the show before WWDC. So if you're coming to WWDC and you want to give me a challenge in person because I will be there, feel free to do that. It's going to be fun. And yeah, so uh, that's the first episode of Adapt. So thank you. And, uh, you know, send us questions, send us ideas for challenges. It's going to be awesome. If you want to follow us online, uh, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as at I-Ryan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And you will also find both of us writing at MacStories.net. So until next time, uh, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Goodbye.